Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today, we're going to talk about anti-aging, neurotechnology, scientific innovation, and deep tech. And Alan Braun is a friend who founded Neurotech Analytics, which is a neurotech-focused analytical hub for analytical reports in the neurotech industry. And I am an advisor um, to his research firm that does that. But he's also an incredibly prolific and successful entrepreneur. He is an advanced student of what's going on inside your mind, inside your brain, different techniques for extending and enhancing memory. One of the techniques he's going to show us today. And I found him to be uh, really noteworthy when it comes to anti-aging and cognitive enhancement, all the things that are at the core of biohacking. Uh, so our private conversations have been so cool that I said, hey man, you got to come on the show and share some of what we've talked about uh, with the world because it's new and it's really interesting and it's very forward thinking. He's also written a book called The Entrepreneur Journey. And what you'll find there is if you wanted to really understand what's going on as an entrepreneur, this guy does the deep thinking because when you look at personality frameworks, not a lot of people tie those back to entrepreneurship, but I think he's cracked the code here. Uh, so lots of wisdom in today's episode. I'm going to do my best to fit it into an hour for you, but we might go a couple minutes over because he's real smart. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. How's that for, uh, for an intro? It's actually amazing. <laughs> I, f I forgot the most it's important thing. Yeah, You're a former computer hacker with Israel's Cyber Special Forces Unit. So he and I are both former hackers. And as a matter of fact, I've already downloaded his credit card number while we're <laughs> uh, starting the show. And he also downloaded mine. So now we're even. <laughs> yeah, I can expand on that. Maybe it's a, to be more correct, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was part in a, in a special unit. He's in Israel, and I got like the clearance for this show to talk about it. So there is a unit named Mamram, and I know people don't hear about it much, but this is the name of the unit. And uh, actually, all the Israeli high tech is come almost come out of Mamram, and uh, we we have CTOs. They, they people are being special force trained in the programming and software development, and uh, you know, managing big systems, and uh, they serve long time in the army. And uh, I don't know, they when they go to like a, after the army, they like build basically the Israeli high tech scene, and then it's like also influence the Silicon Valley. The, um, um, I guess there is a similar unit in India. It's called IIT. I don't know if people are familiar with, but in Israel mm -hmm. we have the same. And uh, yeah. So, yep, yeah, you, you sound like a typical Israeli hacker. Yep, yeah. So um, just for you guys who aren't from the computer hacking world, who know Leet Speak and all the old school stuff, uh, I will just tell you that the Israeli um, hacking uh, military capabilities are well-respected globally. Like, like, so this is a guy who is pretty damn smart. But that wasn't enough. So, oh, and then you decided to become a marine biologist, right? It's more of like I started after the, yeah, it's more of like, a, yes, but in the middle, I've been into genetic engineering. I had like a, I felt like, okay, I take all my knowledge, I'm going to crack biology. So this is where we I think that we get, we start to be aligned. I took the, all this knowledge and went to biology and bioinformatics and genetics and done cloning of genes 
Uh, I made a glowing, I was, I don't know, I had a startup 20 years ago, a glowing plant. And uh, after that, um, yeah, I become, I done my master marine biology and uh, coral calcification. <laughs> and I published about that. And um Oh, and then that wasn't yeah. enough, so you decided you become a Feldenkrais, um, yeah. like body movement, energy work practitioner, right? Yeah, I'm weird, I know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, then I decided, oh, I should put a focus on myself and my inner self, and I, I was optimizing, looking at how, uh, this is something called the Feldenkrais method, and I'm a practitioner at three years of studies, and we actually, actually like, learn how to improve our movement, we learn how to um, work with people to improve their movement um, and actually hacking into the, um, I guess, like, I can give an example. It will be much simpler because it's everything is like yeah. body body communication. So it's like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of verbal, but I can I can demonstrate. And uh, so this is something we work every day. We develop the language and like every muscle in my body, I'm looking at the relation. I'm seeing how I improve it. And this is work I do every day uh, with my trainers. Um, they actually, and the guide, you know, the KPI is our posture. So we're looking at yeah. the posture, we're looking at how we feel, and we optimize for best. And this is one of the things I believe the most for uh, aging. So if we talk about longevity and aging, I believe our ability to move and to think. So the level of the software mainly is like the most important uh, element for me like to improve keep on learning especially in the body um but after the feldenkrais like, and i will continue mm-hmm. uh, i decided like again to shift shift perspective um you know i will get to it later about like the in the entrepreneur journey i i get and you i know you're familiar with it dave with the with the integral framework and like yeah. we can look at, at reality in like different uh, um let's say angle or perspective or glasses. So we have like the world of the inner inner world and they have the outer world and we have the world of the collective and we have the world of the system, let's call it like that. And so I've been looking at these different worlds and, uh, you know, places within me and optimizing each one of them and hacking my, uh, I don't know, the hacking or improving um, every direction that I can. So I move from um, Feldenkrais and this, Science. I move into. <laughs> That's actually funny. You moved through Feldenkrais, which is a movement practice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. that was a dad joke, but yeah, you but got me. I, I decided like to do like big data and understand like the world, you know, and like big data people, marketing, clicks, traffic, buying traffic, selling traffic, and because I put myself, okay, I will make some money. So this was my uh, KPI. Um, so, so, I, so you, I, became a, you became a wealthy guy, and right now you're working on your body, your mind, your spirit, your longevity, yeah. uh, and understanding how all of that works. Yeah. Um, so there, there are not a lot of people with your background. I think it's safe to say that. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what intrigues me is that after all, the mindset of being a computer hacker, you really understand systems thinking in a way that most people don't, and you understand how to move a system you don't quite necessarily understand everything about it so you 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 everything's a black box you push on it something comes out like you talk about kpis over and over did you get the thing to do what you wanted it to do and when you look at our consciousness or our aging and all it's the same thing we might not know everything but we know enough to make it do what we want exactly and it, it seems like that mindset is it kind of percolates through all the stuff you've done 
even if you're looking at, at the body, it's a distributed system of tiny information processing nodules called cells or subcellular components. And that's why you start very low down and you start working on that system and suddenly posture changes or longevity yeah. changes or brains change. Now, uh, there's two things that I, I think would be most interesting for the Bulletproof Radio audience and for the Upgrade Collective live members who are here who are, have lots of really cool comments. Uh, one of them is definitely going deeper on the entrepreneur side around uh, Ken Wilber's integral theory and how what that is and how you tie it in with the entrepreneur's journey in your book. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to get there. But I, I think first the area that would be really impactful for people is talking about memory palaces. I mentioned these, I think in, in headstrong. Yeah. And I've had a few interviews a while back with uh, a Swedish memory expert, but you have a whole new take on these things. Can you walk me through what is a memory palace and then what you did to hack that? Yeah, I will. I, I will start a little bit uh, uh, before. And I say, we made, we made the neurotech, we made the big conference, uh, I think it was one of the biggest in that uh, right now, and in uh, and we got like hundred entrepreneurs and different people that everything was around aging and brain and memory. So I was looking who can help, who can do something in technology wise, scientist. Um, I was looking like in the electrode, like implant, uh, you know, people that implant themselves with electrode. Looking to external stimulation in order to enhance working memory and. I came to, with the time, I, I came back to my uh, thinking that I don't see that something will work so uh, right now immediately for me because I really want result. I want like immediate result and I want to see a proof. Um, so it's like, this is also why, why I like your work so much. It's because you look exactly like you say, you look what works. So this is the most important, what works. So the KPI is like, it needs to work. It doesn't important what is a science. We will, we will find the science after we will find that it's working. So yeah. I, I think me and you, it doesn't matter for us. Like a, it can be a spiritual direction. It can be a body direction. It can be anxiety. It can be nervous system. It can be psychology. It doesn't matter as long as it's working. Yes. And, uh, you know, so um, I think it's the recent years, you know, there's so much, so much information in the internet. So like people also like Tim Ferriss and blogs like that and that looking what is actually working for everything. How yeah. can we validate? Let, so let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If you found out that carrying a teddy bear around with you all the time made you smarter, would you do it? Yeah, absolutely. See, see, you're my kind of guy. I just <laughs> want to be clear. <laughs> absolutely. I will go, I will take the teddy bear and I go to the psychologist that maybe I have too much masculinity and I need to take down my masculinity <laughs> a little bit, but I will carry the teddy bear. I will carry the teddy bear. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, keep so, going. Okay, after that, so I was, I was watching, um, I was watching a, a Netflix documentary about a, a memory and there was a, a a very nice guy named Nelson Delis, and he was a four-time U.S. champion. And I decided, okay. And he said, you know, I, I've been learning all this memory for my my grandmother, and she had Alzheimer, and and also in my family it was the same. And like my grandmother, and it was horrible. And it's for my uh, there was event with my mother, and I said, and with the time I understood that. Memory need to be something like there is a bottleneck in the memory, in the working memory, and I want to improve it. So I started to work with Nelson Delis in how do I improve my the software level, you know? Um, 
and uh, we started testing my memory and I see like, you know, my memory is like actually pretty bad. I like, I can remember like six numbers and like this barely. It's like, if you give me a test, it's like, it's not good. <laughs> it's like until today, it's not good. Maybe I learned too much in my life that maybe it's like overcapacity, but it's not amazing. And so I was like in six numbers and, and with you, time. When you say six numbers, do you mean you can remember six numbers at a time or yeah. six on a dual end back? No, 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 not at the time, back at the time, it's straight. Like, okay. you know, so, yeah, six is below average for like a, a vice president. Exactly. Like seven is where the typical vice president yeah. can, can go. Actually, eight is where a vice president goes. Seven is sort of like average. So you're slightly below average. Yeah, below and average. If you get to nine and 10, yeah. you tend to find people at higher levels in an organization because they can remember more. So yeah. you're a little below. That surprises me, actually. Yeah, yeah. actually I'm the type of, of person, like, you know, we left the keys and he's like, I don't know, my consciousness like shift uh, places and I don't notice stuff. Um, but I started to work with him and we saw that I managed to improve myself to remember 100 numbers now. So after that, I reach 100. And I can say, and I can recite hundred numbers uh, forward and backwards. Um, that was already like, hmm, okay, something isn't. It's working. Whatever it is, it's working. So the mind palace. Then I started to see, okay, mind palace, what it is, and what's the biological implication of that? What? Why? What is the meaning? What is the relation between mind palace and biology? And I'm sure. And now I will mention what is mind palace because we get to the point. Is like we actually. It's a trick, a technique, uh, which is thousand years old, and uh, it's actually like developed in Greece, and people use it through the last uh, I don't know thousand years or two thousand years, and uh, actually you imagine like a place, and in the place um, you place you imagine like a virtual place, and it can be a home that you grow up in, or like you know a school or whatever it is, and you place object in this. Uh, in this palace or in this house or in this location. And actually, and you also make them, you animate them and you make them do something really nice or emotional, this object. And I don't know how, but you remember, this is really easy to remember. So I played with my little children and they remember amazing stuff. I, so if you transfer, so I understand that if you translate something into a memory palace, you can actually remember it with this, like uh, with these places. And um, I work with Nelson and we build like a big palace. I had like a palace of, a, a, I don't know, it was like a 50 rooms and every room I had like, a, you know, 10 places. So I had like a, a stack of 500 places I can like populate now. So, so when and, you're when you're building a palace like this, just to put mm-hmm. a, a picture to it for people, you imagine a house or a palace, and you walk in the front door, and there's a shelf there, and on the shelf you can put something. And if you're going to remember the number one, you have a little object that's always number one. So you yeah. place the vase there, yeah. right? And then on the shelf underneath that, you place you know the basketball, which is number two, or whatever your little internal thing is. And then you, in your mind, you can like explore this big thing, like you explore a video game, those three dimensional, you know, Duke Nukem, Doom, um, all all, everything you play is descended from those games. So I'll I'll go back to old school. So it's kind of like that, and it's super powerful. But is that really working memory? Because working memory is sort of like RAM versus this is something that's being translated by RAM. You're using like a RAM doubler. 
I, I think that they, when you look at the object, it's like walking memory. So when you are okay. with the object, but so the the palace is actually the the layer before the walking memory actually. So mm, it gives okay. you the the network of connection. So basically, you are building like a, a stack or a, a network that you actually, when you have one item, you can continue with other item and actually drag them from your brain. So the, it's actually the, the palace itself is just a neural connection between the objects will be like the items. So I, I think that you understand. When I take an item, yeah. it's basically I'm populating my... But when I look at the room, if I look at the room and I see like five items or seven items, this is my current working memory. And I look at them. I have seven of them, let's say. This is what I'm able to hold. So the rooms in the house hold these uh, um, items. But then I say, okay, I can do that. And I and I, I must say, I'm I working with... Uh, I'm like a, a walking company. I have like people, I have coaches, great coaches that I work with in different areas of my life. I'm taking care of all the time, emotional, philosophical, can be body, everything that I can. And I, I spoke to like my coaches and nobody's, you know, everybody knows this mind palace. You know, they know memory palace. What do you do with that? It's nice when you, maybe you want to impress somebody with great memory and you want to show people as an expert. But I don't know what actually you do. You, because you can use your phone. So what's the, yeah, the I, point? I, I don't use the memory palace I built very often. It's pr- it's probably kind of rusty and got some ivy growing on it, right? Uh, yeah. But you use yours regularly, right? Yeah, exactly. So what happened? I said, okay, I will find a good use for this. It have to be, they have to, they have to be a good use for this tool. And... Um, so I gave it, I, I started the experiment and what I done, I have a, a big project management system and I have like a few hundred items in the project management system, which are like, you know, different, uh, basically it's representing wants. So my project is like wants, but it's like parts of wants. So our project management usually is like, what actually, when we wake up in the morning, what is, what is what we want from life? In a way, this is my project management system. Because I have built it in like different area of life. In every area, I know now, okay, my next uh, task in uh, food is like I, I eat more broccoli. I'm going to make a habit of more broccoli. Never mind. So like um, you put all the ones. Now, I took all this, uh, this project management system and I uploaded it to the memory palace. Now, um, how you do that, you take, and this is something I... I I was working on how I how I actually do that. So I needed like to make an object for every project, make an object that remind me of this want. And I took all this list of objects, which look very random. Um, some of them, uh, it's just a person because I like to put, and I show you later with a, with a, my entrepreneur journey framework that every project is actually a team and a person. And we, we work with people. So these people start to populate my project management system. And um, and then they populate my virtual palace and my mind palace. And what happened then was like uh, actually amazing. And this is why I'm, I, I like to um, encourage people to try this. Because what happened then, suddenly I found myself like, uh, okay, so if I walk on the stairs now, if I, I can actually work. I can actually do really body things. I can actually swim and work. I can actually sit in the bench in the, in the, or in the field and just run, upload object by object, object by object, and I can actually 
sit with the object and be creative. And I can, I can say, okay, what is the next step in this project? And I can be very relaxed because everything is, is suddenly like, I know what I want every moment of time. If somebody asks me what you want, you know, well, you have a whole palace. Yes, where, where we start? It's like, now this sense, this reminds me of, so suddenly it feels like the anxiety a little bit go, went down because I don't need to go nowhere. I don't need to check my phone. I don't need to check my computer. Um, because what is most important is what do I want? And what is the next step? How can I be creative in the projects that I want to do? So I, I, mm-hmm. I got to pause you for a second there. Yes. This is fascinating. But what you just said reminds me of getting things done methodology. Remember that one? Yeah, David absolutely. Allen. David Allen. And if you guys don't remember this, this is a guy who said the way to inner peace is make sure every email and every piece of paper is filed in a really precise system. Now, I did this for two years, which I wish I got back because the bottom line is he's an anxious person. I should have him on the show because I'm not like trying to attack him, but he's an anxious person. So he dealt with his anxiety with control. You can also just deal with the anxiety and realize I throw all my shit in a big box and if I need to find something, I just flip through there until I find it, which is more like a memory palace. As long as you remember where you put it in the box, it's in there right? Or it's in a search engine. So you just don't like your stress could go down. So what do you do to deal with your anxiety when you don't have everything tracked in a system? Ah, this, okay. But this is another topic. Okay. <laughs> like for me, anxiety, it's a meaning of like, a, I need to connect more with my body. So anxiety is yeah. the more I put focus on my senses, the yeah. more it's like, I feel better. And That's a the, big, big hack for Everyone listening right there, the anxiety is in the body, right? It's yeah. not in the mind, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay. you know, we all know like Paul just says sympathetic, parasympathetic work. And, uh, you know, we, we can start to talk about this and all this uh, subject of, uh, you know, anxiety by itself. Okay. Well, well we, I don't yeah, want to take uh, you off your, off your yeah. previous track there, but yeah. I, I just, I caught that. And I think that's worth noting for people. It's okay if you don't know where some stuff is. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to feel anxiety if that happens. Yeah. But having a system that tracks it, typically reduces anxiety or at least reduces missed opportunity. So yeah. There you go. But then yeah. when the system is inside of you and you actually can connect to your body, this is what I did. It's basically instead of That's sitting cool. on David Allen getting things done, and I respect David Allen, but in order to make it work, I need to sit on the computer. Now, I don't really, I, I, I'm a computer person. I don't like to sit on the computer. I learn, <laughs> you know, if something you learn about being like in software engineer, and this is something mm-hmm. every software engineer will tell you. They hate the computer. <laughs> we don't yes. like to sit in on the computer. And then the phone, it's even a night, it's, it's even worse. So I like to connect to my body. I like to develop my body. I like to connect to my emotion. I like to connect to people. Where did the computer get? So as if it's like embodying information can really um, open up other things. You can be with a project and be now like tai chiing, I don't know, being swimming. Um, now, then the realization is, and for that I understand maybe this is the idea of what's happening. I'm just actually taking a construct, and, and now I, it's like my wants actually. So perhaps we can build palaces of who we are, and what is our values, and what we want. So we take all the, you know, there is all the work of like, um, you know, we, we live in a time that every, info, you know, every person in the world is exposed now to Tony Robbins. Every person, it's not, and every, you know, they have the, the coaches and they like, you know, many people, they, they repeat this information again and again, and people hear it at home and they know it. 
And people, people already like, they heard the advices. They heard the advices and, and, but what we do, what we do with that? So we hear we should be happy and we hear we do that, we do that, we do that. And my responsibility is not to be a victim. And there are so many frameworks and we have a, a ton of advices. What we do with that? How, how we actually in the age of the internet when everything is accessible, what we do with information? So we, we file it on the computer. So the five steps that Tony Robbins give for something, do we file it on the computer and what, what we do with that? So I, th- I started to understand that perhaps it's about like embodying information and the main work that need to be done is not getting more information, it's actually embodying the information and actually uploading it to us. And with the time, when we upload these networks of information, with the time, um, you know, you, you're creating habits in your thinking. So when yes. you're visiting these networks, you're creating habits and things happen in a different way. Things start to change when you're actually, actually working directly and constructing these networks. And I can now, I can get into the topic of neurotech and... Be- before mm-hmm. we get into neurotech, I, I just want to clarify. I know because you and I talked about it for uh, probably 45 minutes on one of our, our calls. Um, what you're doing is you're taking a project, you're putting it in a, a room in your memory palace, but then you're also creating people or processes to work on it, oh, which, yeah. which I want to make sure that that yeah. comes through for listeners. And okay. that, that ties right back to Think and Grow Rich. You know, there's these round tables um, that the author um, of the book um, talks about saying, well, if you want Thomas Edison working on something, you know, close your eyes and visualize that you've got him sitting at a table with you. What would he say? And magically your brain can do that. So you, you're kind of putting Thomas Edison or some other whoever's in the rooms in your house and saying, go do some work while I swim. Do I have that right? Uh, not exactly. It's funny okay. that you mentioned it's funny that you mentioned Thomas Edison because my book is about Thomas Edison and I break yeah. down all the Thomas Edison uh, journey. Um, but what I, I can say about that. It's like when we are in the mind palace, when we are there and we have this virtual beautiful place that we built with all our projects and all our stuff, and this is what I have. And we, I, I notice that we can actually do stuff inside. Okay, so and the meaning of that is like, yeah, what, what is the action we can do on an object? And this is a really fascinating subject. And I think this is what you mean. What can we do per object? What is the abilities? What can we move the object and remember the movement? Not sure. But uh, can we delete an object? Mm, interesting, might, yes. Um, can we store the object in a room? Mm, problem. I managed, for example, to give the, the object a number and remember the number, but that was quite easy because uh, we can say like, okay, big is like, a, I don't know, a, I don't know, watermelon. And we put the watermelon in the object that we want. Like, so you can add priority to all your hundred things and you can add like some, you can mark them with some other objects. So you can do that. Then you can say, okay, my priority for 100 objects, I enter in the room, I will put the, a, I don't know, a watermelon. I will put it on the one of the items in this room. And this is the most priority, most important for me right now. And so um, interacting with the objects, and this takes me to the subject of the book, um, I have built for the past two years. Um, because I'm so interested in memory, um, there was a big re- another big realization that happened for me. It's like uh, that, and this is my start of the journey with uh, with a bulky memory is that we have a very difficult time to make decisions 
because yeah. in order to make the decision is a type of calculation. Yes. Um, and this type of calculation, you know, what is the limit? Working memory. You actually very difficult for people and they doubt themselves and they doubt, you know, to, where do you want, you know, the cameras, you know, you finish school, nobody will never work with you about decisions and never work with you about like a, a making, I don't know, like how do you decide things? Um, and they ask you like a huge question, like, okay, what do you want to do when you now, okay, you finish school, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Who you want to marry to the rest of your life? What do you, where do you want to study? So these questions, these big decisions that come to young people, what job you want? Like who has the capability to, to answer that? The only way we use heuristics and we like copy other people and we look, okay, oh, my father say that, I will do that. Oh, he is a successful person, I will copy him. So we just use exactly. heuristic because we don't have a way to calculate. We just like the calculation is so complex that it's like, how do you calculate that? The issue is the working memory. We just cannot do the math. Now, so I went and learned the math. And um, this is the math that I found like most uh, important is something called AHP. And um, it's very aligned to the work that I done on my Feldenkrais one on the body. And uh, using the AHP, I built the Entrepreneur Journey book, which look at like I I I I, I said okay, I will I will minimize the audience to like the, the, the entrepreneurs or artists at least that yep. have a goal to be to make a change in the world. And I look and I I actually um, cut the the journey into steps, and I look at the main decision points, and I put calculation mathematical calculations and how you make the decision for every point. And uh, and this, because of the working memory uh, issue, and I try like to to build from the math contra- constructs that I can use in my own, like um, how do you embody decisions like that? So this was my work, and this is the book about. Um, and so uh, it, yep. it, it's worth noting that in the entrepreneur's journey, um, you are starting every chapter with an example from Thomas Edison, which is why yeah. I brought him up earlier. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that's nuanced there that is very computer science, uh, maybe a little bit even transhumanist there, is that what you're talking about with working memory being a limiting factor for decisions what's underlying working memory is energy production. And in computer science, how much power can you run through a chip before it burns, right? That's why you have water-cooled gaming computers and all this kind of stuff. So a lot of what I focus on is how do I get more mitochondrial efficiency, which means less heat, less waste, less reactive oxygen species to make enough electricity. One of the reasons cyclotosis matters and some of the supplements that catalyze energy because it makes working memory easier. So now you have... You have better working memory, ideally, and you have more energy, which we know more energy helps you with decision-making. In fact, it was a study out of Israel with the um, parole board that probably proved that the most. So the idea is you you get a power upgrade because you exercise and because you, know, you make your hardware work right. And then what you're doing is kind of like installing a virtual machine inside your head yeah, where exactly. you've now figured out inside your machine, oh, here's how I do arrays, here's how I do you know, sorting, <laughs> the other basic things any programmer knows how to do. And apologies if you're not a nerd and you're listening to this going, what are these guys talking about? But what's going on here sorting. is 
Yeah, right. sorting, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. queuing. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear right. all these concepts. Exactly, right? it's sorting. You know, Dave, if you understand that it's sorting, it's all sorting algorithm. How do you run sorting algorithm in your own brain? Yes. And I think there is answer for that. I will. I can get into the subject, but it's exactly that. And I agree with you totally about, look, I think you are the right person to solve the energy and mitochondria problem. And I will follow what you do. And in order to enhance my, my hardware. So that's the reality of things. And uh, I, I'm I'm working on the software level exactly like that, and um, yeah. I, it's not there is no point. I will work now on the enhancing energy because I think that you already like you know, you you have all the relation and network, and you're actually doing the work, and um, that's all. So this is a reality of things, and I do so, not need to do this work okay. on hardware. So what we're we're doing here is a hardware upgrade, and then a software upgrade. And yeah. what you're doing is a, basically an operating system upgrade, which yeah. is better than a lot of the softwares. What do we think about? Like, how do we think? What are the core assumptions we make that underlie conscious decisions? Yeah. But what you're doing is somewhere underneath that. So if you guys think about this, every now and then on your phone, you do an iOS upgrade, and everything kind of shifts. And every now and then you install a new app. So if you listen to a podcast, you get a new idea. That's an app. But if you have a new way of thinking that's more effective and more efficient or turns on new capabilities, that's what Alon's talking about here. And that's what's in his book. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty fundamental, groundbreaking stuff. But I got to ask you, how long did it take you to turn this on? Because this sounds like a little bit of work to install a virtual machine inside your head. A little bit of work. Look, it's like a, <laughs> I, I, will, I will take your question. I move it to my little children. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. It's like I have children. There are five, you know, five and... and uh... A son uh, age seven and the two twins uh, five years old and I'm looking at what they're training with and I, I start to make games for them and like that can help them to understand to sort things so I think that you can actually install it really good if you play the right games and not computer games this is the issue the issue is it can be computer but I I, I will explain something like that you know our senses, do not, uh, it's like we don't operate with numbers. So like musicians, musicians, I think that they do amazing work of like actually embedding math in some ways. Yeah. So it's actually embodiment of math. So musician actually tapping into these energies and um, sorting of sound. So if you have a random sound and you need to sort it in your mind out really fast. So take like, just like bells. Like, let's say if you take eight bells with different sounds and you need to sort them, give the child to do that. Make him do it really fast. He will be amazing in his ability to think. So is that because the ability to think and make decisions actually our ability to sort. But it's a, a multi-criteria sorting. So I will 
זה מוסט פיונירי זה מונטסורי, and the direction of Montessori education right now, I do not see more somebody took a, a bigger leap than the Montessori framework for the little children, and, uh, but there is a lot of work to, be, to, do, to do there, and like build like, um, how to install this basic stuff, like even like to sort something, just to yeah. sort, it's, it's, so, it's so simple. It, it's, a, it's a reformatting of our education system. So instead of passing some standardized test, you do that. My kids learned to count with their toes, like moving nuts around with their toes so that the numbers would be embodied in them. Yeah. And I, I think there's value in the Rubik's Cube. My son's really into that right now. But talk about working memory. I mean, he's got <laughs> God knows how many thousands of algorithms in his head all the time. Uh, it, it's pretty astounding. But stuff like that is not video games. Uh, but can we make video games that in, install this? Do you think Absolutely. that's possible? Absolutely, especially VR. And I think especially yeah. in the world of VR and the, what's happening, I was amazed like to to like use the Oculus and like, you know, machines like that. And it's, uh, I don't know if people are like aware what's happening, but it's becoming better and better. And it's a way that uh, like a virtual world is coming. And uh, I hope people understand that it's coming if they've been there. Um, so do you think, Is it safer to let Google or Facebook install algorithms in your brain with VR? A good question. I think it's happening already. First of all, okay, <laughs> it is so happening this, already. Is, this is happening already. So now the question is like, how do we make good choices about like which, which uh, podcast we listen to? How we make good choices, which movie we, we So it's about the choice. Right now mm-hmm. we have so much choices. You know, you open Netflix. What do you choose? You open the internet. What do you choose? So it's all the time a question of a lot of data and best choice. So I think that this is a skill that we need for our children, a multi-criteria decision choice fast, according to his preference, not according to Netflix preference. So meaning we need to do the groundwork and work with our children. And I work with my children is like, okay, so what is our values? What do we value in a TV series? What, what is important for us in a cartoon? And then... Like be able like to take like a, a perhaps the the fact that is a, a real or the fact that is like enjoyable and the fact that we take few criterias together and how we choose the best show this is something our kids need to do and we need to do and I, I must say it's like I will repeat the kids stuff but it's more for our children because they will have so many choices and choices are be taken for them most of the time. How do you deal with FOMO, the fear of missing out? This is why choices are hard for a lot of people, especially kids. If I choose this, I don't get to choose this. Yeah. Uh, so how do you deal with it yourself, and how do you think about teaching the, the body to be calm when you make a choice that maybe, maybe it was suboptimal, but it was good enough? Um, I think it's – I would say decisions um, – I think our body, first of all, I will say something about our body because it's, it's related. It's a, we make choices all the time, especially when we move. So when we move our hand in a certain way, these choices that have been made to move in a certain way, it's a pattern that I already learn, but we all the time adjusting the patterns. And that's the fact of choosing again the movement, trying with the shoulder a little bit different, trying with the hand a little bit different and see what is more comfortable for us and all the time optimizing. Um, it's about little judgments. It's a, the, the way I think the operating system working is about comparing little judgments and sorting them out. And so it's not about like a, 
if I do that, something horrible will happen. It's more about like a, a being on the, first of all, on the positive result. I mean, um, in the AHP network, they look at like a benefit and risk and cost. So you look at it, uh, but in our body and in the day-to-day, I think that uh, it's better to leave the, first of all, the risk parameter out, look at what you want, and then put them in. Because if you put the risk parameter first, and this is our this operating system, you're like, uh, first of all, thinking what can bad happen. You already like put your body in a, in a sense of anxiety. You, you're making your memory smaller, probably, and you do not make optimal decisions. You just make safe decisions. And yeah. um, so I would say so this the, is that's how That's the fear-based thing. Yeah, it's fear-based yeah. thinking. Now, it, it's funny because what you just described there is what you learned in the first year of computer science, the traveling salesman problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is when you, and this is something everyone who's ever written their first code has to, to deal with. And it's, you have a salesman who needs to travel to the, the maximum to 10 cities and there's all these different paths that you could take. And how do you know which flight to take first in what order? And it turns out it's really hard to do that in the perfect way. You can get it pretty good, pretty fast. But to solve it ideally takes enormous compute power and distributed processing. And, and you know, this is why travel systems like Sabre exist, if you guys have heard of that. That's what does all of your travel stuff. So this is like 50 years of human engineering and software and hardware and distributed networks to solve that problem. So what you're doing there is you're doing the traveling salesman problem through life. <laughs> How do I yeah. make optimal decisions at each node in the network? And you're just doing it with do. more consciousness than most people, right? But what we do and in our life, this is what we do. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. free will. So, I mean, you know, you have a gate country. Rename, you know, there is a one gate kind of country that uh, they put it in the constitution. I think the ability to choose and our ability for us to have a free will and to and I think you promote it a lot. This is our, you know, this is in the heart of everything. Our ability, our our freedom to choose, our freedom to choose, and, and to be who we are, and to follow what we want, and to to the value that we, and, and do it consciously. I think this is a, a, yeah. the house of everything. Fundamental. Okay, here, here's a really tough question for you. This is actually from Susan in the Upgrade Collective in, in our live audience. She, she typed it for me. Um, there are times, and this is something I've, I've struggled with for years, and I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on it now, but I want to know how you do it. So there's times when your computer science brain says, all right, I've you know, made this choice. But your non-rational, non-computer science body has an intuitive thing that says, hold on, my calculations say to do this, my gut says don't do this. How do you know when that's happening and what do you do? It's a good question. Um, I, will, I will look at it like that and I put it, also it's coming in, it's in my book. And this is about like, a, you know, you have all the chakra system and the Kabbalic system. And all of them looking very carefully on the like centers of energy in the body. And actually, what they are, it's a mechanism to make this decision. We can choose from our heart. We can choose. And what is that? Is our body is a mind palace. And our heart is a value of connecting. And our, they are gut. And, you know, they, it's actually, I can, I can go over every chakra and they explain the value that is inside. But this is exactly what it is. The heart is, is connection. So how do we make a multi-decision? That is not what uh, uh, Susan asked. Susan asked you what happened when it's in the heart. But if I want the heart and the brain, and if yeah. I want the heart and the brain and the sense of who I am and my expression of, of what I want in life, and what about my safety, and what about fun, 
what if I want all of them together? I'm not, I'm not satisfied with one. And I think the journey is, I'm not satisfied. And this is, this is something that I learned from Ken Wilber. And, he, he, and this is the integral framework. And we see how we upgrade the way we decide. And we actually, our values. It's the values that we put attention to. So we start in like, and he described it in colors. And it's very beautiful. I really suggest everybody to learn integral philosophy because I think this is one of the main uh, best philosophical movements that right now, like that is current. Now, um, I will say is that wh- what you see is that some people, people change with the way they make decisions through life and also culture change. And also it's, it's, it's individual and cultural. And you see that actually the operating system changed. So it starts with like safety and then it's moved like maybe, I will not describe all the colors now and all this, it will be too long. Um, you have order in the blue and you have the orange and it's like can be money and success. And then you have green connection and it's like people are upgrading, they're moving through and you have then the artist and blue and then you have people in yellow, which is like my sense of being here and helping the world and being safe. And be, how do you do all of them together, working with your heart and working with your, uh, uh, with your mind? And with your sense of safety, how do you how do you combine that? And that is the the multi-criteria decisions that need to be operating. So Susan tried to simplify it when she says she's trying to simplify and say, okay, it's actually the heart. No, it's not actually, it's not anything actually. It's actually seven, eight, ten, twenty criteria that we need to operate with. We just simplify because we cannot. Mm-hmm. So people that move to the heart, it's sometimes because they already understand that money, it doesn't have to be only about money. It's, it's also about our connection to people. But you want to combine. You want them all. You want to learn to do it all. You, don't, you cannot neglect now your sense of safety. You cannot neglect because then you will feel anxiety. You cannot uh, neglect your sense of self-worth because then you will feel empty and worthless. And what about connecting to people? So you want all. And this is my answer. And I will get, I dive very deeply into that, into the math of that. And how do we, how do, we do that? And... I think this is the center of my work. It it really is the the center of your work from uh, from what I can tell. And, and that decision making, it's easy to make a spreadsheet. You say, oh, what what should my career be? You do a spreadsheet. Oh, I, careers make you money, uh, so I want to go work on Wall Street. And you realize, oh, hold on, um, that also makes you miserable. So maybe I'm not going to work ninety hours a week. So then you you kind of do a few weighted things. But then at the end of the day, if your gut's screaming at you, no, this is you know this is terrible. Whatever you decide, and you don't weight that at all you'll wake up 20 years later and hate your life, right? Absolutely. They don't teach you that in school. In the Absolutely. Decision-making. So you, you account for that in your framework. Exactly. This okay. is a main account. This is a main thing to account. It's multi-criteria decision. And that is a mistake the entrepreneur have. And this is what I, I picture in my book. And this is what I teach. It's how to use all these criteria for the entrepreneur, not to make zero meaningful uh, entrepreneurs uh, uh, project, which I see so many of them, which is ex- great execution, no meaning, or how do you make you know mm. amazing meaning but no execution? Okay. How do you combine all these parameters together to succeed? Actually, something is always missing. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears and talk yeah. about entrepreneurship and mission and vision and things like that. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this may end up being a two-part podcast because we're just getting going uh, on this part of it. And so we've learned a lot about memory palace and decision making, but yeah. let's talk about entrepreneurship. And, and you hit the most important thing first there, 
which is you see the, I have lots of vision and nothing ever happens. And we all know a bunch of entrepreneurs, crazy inventors, people like that, where, you know, they might have the greatest thing since sliced bread, gluten-free bread, but they, it never sees the light of world because they couldn't execute. And then we see the executors who execute stuff that doesn't matter, even if they make money. Yeah. Um, it seems like you're allergic to both of those. Both. So, I'm totally allergic. Okay. This is why I like your work. I must say, I will say it again. Thank you. Because you touch the inner self, you're touching deep psychological and you're exploring uh, psychological places, you're exploring the system area, you're exploring the marketing, and you're exploring as a team and collaborative work. All of them are necessary. People all the time neglecting one of them and say, okay, this is evil. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.